Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wrong Think Radio. I'm your host, Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful Northern Virginia. And I'm Alan, coming to you from the lovely and sunny greater Seattle metropolitan area. And this is Wrong Think Radio, so our to our live program that we bring you guys every single week to give you our facts and analysis of what's going on in the world today, what's happening in Washington, D.C., in politics, in culture, and all of the media propaganda. Of course, there's always a pile of it. Uh, in fact, one of the most notable things that I have to point out right now is how actually wild everything is now, given that we're heading into a primary season, of course, you know, we're fastly going to be approaching things like the Iowa caucus and the New Hampshire primary, which are the first in the nation. And we're seeing all the competition that's happening among the Republican candidates. We're seeing competition that's happening among Democrat candidates because there are multiple. And on top of that, we're seeing exactly how the Biden regime and the Democrat Party is going to try to figure out a way to once again manipulate an election in the United States of America, and we're all supposed to pretend like that totally doesn't happen. Now, right. the first big Fascinating note... seeing how it gets pulled off. Yeah, well, and, and so it's 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 a really funny thing because uh, there's there's a lot of mixture that's happening in I would say like the right right wing talking sphere and Republican kind of uh, punditry and all of that, and it's there's almost a definitive line drawn as to whether or not you are somebody who um, thinks that there was a lot of shady shit that happened in twenty in the twenty twenty election, or if you're a person who's more afraid of what people what names liberals might call you. And that's I'm I that you might think that that's me being disingenuous, but it truly is not. I think that there isn't a rational human being on the face of this planet that does not think that there was something strange that occurred during the election in twenty twenty and even if you didn't think that there was something strange, I think it's asinine to suggest that the Democrats wouldn't have done something. And I've said this before on the program, but it almost would seem as if they were morally negligent if they didn't try to manipulate the election because Donald Trump was such a threat. That's a very good way to put it, because I think if you talk to any liberal, that's how exactly how I would point it out to them, saying, look at how they reacted to Donald Trump. Look at how half the country talked about Trump, talked about the Trump administration, talks about basically right wingers and conservatives in general. If you take those people at their word, you only conclude conclusion you could come to is they view any sort of victory for right-wing conservative Americans as such an extreme existential threat that there is nothing that they wouldn't at least consider if it mm -hmm. meant denying their political enemies of victory. And I think if you ask, talk to any liberal, they would begrudgingly have to admit that, yeah, I guess we would probably, like, I guess there would be people that would be just that would feel justified in doing this the way they talked about it, it's like would it be because the way they always portray it is if you were living in 1930s germany like would you what would be what wouldn't you do to stop hitler right and if you have that mindset then yeah of course you're going to steal elections of course you're going to weaponize the department of justice of course you're going to do all these things right and and so it's it's of course complete insanity 
um, for anyone to suggest that they, I mean, just the rhetoric alone, you know, I, I guess there's two choices and um, for us, there really isn't, but your two choices are either the Democrat party is full of just absolute craven lunatics and liars, or, uh, they would have done anything to save the country. Neither of those are yeah. good because done anything to save the country. I'm putting quotey fingers that you guys can't see because this is non-video, but done every, everything to save the country against what exactly? Well, the existential threat of somebody who isn't part of the Uniparty. That was the existential right. I think threat. That's, but that's what a lot of liberals don't understand. Is there's, and probably a lot of conservatives as well, is they're too deluded with this idea of, oh, it's an attack on our poor immigrant brethren and all oh, the trans genocide and all oh, these poor special people with their identities. And that's who we're fighting for. When the reality is Trump and any sort of reactionary politics are a threat to the ruling sort of elite, the uniparty, as we like to put it. And that's tr and they and they have been lying to everyday people, convincing them that they have to support a bunch of things that are not in their own interests in order to prevent that same uniparty from losing its grasp on political power. Right. Well, and. I would be remiss if I didn't uh, open this up because this is the uh, simply the most amazing. It, I don't want to. I don't want to oversell it. Um, there was an amazing story that got released uh, this week that it, it's not news, but of course now it's news, um, and that is let's let's actually go a little bit backward before we dive too much into the newest story, but let's discuss the fact that. Uh, 16 people have been charged by the Michigan Attorney General, uh, mm -hmm. uh, Dana Nessel, has charged 16 people for a quote-unquote false elector scheme. Now, these were people that uh, went in and, and uh, pledged to be electors for Donald Trump uh, for in the Electoral College, and now that is being charged as like a federal offense. This is the whole situation where the average age of these people is something like like 60, but it's people in their 60s and 70s. It's a bunch of senior citizens, and they're being charged with a felony for being, quote, fake electors. And this is a very confusing situation because everyone remembers that there were attempts to create fake electors in 2016. There were so many people that were encouraging uh, members of the Electoral College to uh, vote against Donald Trump, regardless of what their state said, to save the country. And so, but suddenly now, apparently, having an alternate slate of electors is a federal offense that is now being charged in the state of Michigan because of this supposed fake elector scheme. And obviously, there's a lot of people on the right that are, you know, reasonably upset about this because it looks insane there there seems to be this weird uh situation where the biden regime doesn't want anybody older than joe biden on earth um and so uh, he he starts taking <laughs> he starts taking out maybe he's like taking all of these older people um and like sucking their youth out of them because he's so goddamn old um, I don't know, but for whatever reason, the fact that the Biden regime seems to be attacking senior citizens, uh, whether it's with January 6th or whether it's with these fake electors, it's kind of insane to me. And uh, of course, another story that we'll get to later on in the program, uh, Joe Biden doesn't like fellow old people. And maybe it's because they remember how much, how full of shit Joe Biden is. It could entirely be that. It could be sure. that Absolutely. Joe Biden. 
yeah, Joe Biden is going after people that are relatively in his same generation because they know how full of shit he's been his entire life. And so he's like, I got to kill all of them because they remember, <laughs> like they remember how I lied, yeah. uh, how I had to drop out of a presidential race for completely lying about everything. Um, or, you know, they remember how I've just been a, you know, absolute leech on the public system. Uh, you know, my, my entire existence, uh, my entire adult existence, uh, perhaps it's things like that, but I don't really know. But, and all joking aside, there's definitely something more interesting, uh, because we have the attorney general in Michigan who's going after these fake electors, but then the gateway pundit decided that they were going to drop a fascinating, uh, article or series of articles in reality. Um, and so mid July, we saw the senior citizens suddenly get wrapped up on federal charges for being quote unquote fake electors. And this was by, uh, Dana Nessel, the attorney general of Michigan. Mm-hmm. Well, here's a breaking story that came out a couple of days ago. Uh, it's an addition onto a story, but hopefully this one's a little bit shorter breaking Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel confirms 8,000 to 10,000 suspected fraudulent registrations delivered to Muskegon Clerk in October 2020, as noted in Michigan State Police report she buried from the public. And this isn't, like I said, this is an ongoing investigation that Gateway Pundit's been dropping over the last few days. Um, But also at the same time, if you remember all of the, you know, broadcasting that we did, this isn't really surprising. We've talked a lot about this. Everyone has heard what these situations are that they're talking about because we've already discussed things like the ballot mules. We talked about the weird uh, amounts of the, the changes in the middle of the night and all of this is being talked about. And then we were suddenly told to include, by the way, we were suddenly told by some right-wing pundits, some conservative broadcasters that we just needed to to stop. We needed to move on, you know, 2020's over. And even when these fake electors came out and, and got charged, there were several people in conservative commentary and on social media sites like X and uh, everywhere else that were saying thing that that wanted to focus more on how the... Trump campaign lied to these poor old people and told them that everything would be okay. And now they're being charged with a felony. And so they wanted to make it about how Trump's mean and bad and awful. Right. And to be fair, it's kind of easy to sort of fall for that because you look at it and you're like, oh my God, like these people seemingly were like misled there. There was a pos. And by the way, I'm not saying this specifically as an indictment against Trump. It's more of the indictment of what we're used to with the GOP. Oh, the GOP had a scheme and it fell through because the Democrats are way more crafty than the GOP. And then a bunch of people got screwed. Well, I mean, that's been my entire life as a Republican voter. So I'm not going to make this like lay this at the feet of Trump, but it's honestly easy to believe, but here's the reality. Sure. We had so many people who wanted to focus on how Trump was possibly a bad man when it came to these alternate electors. Well, now, looking at this evidence that I'm about to read to you, the alternate electors makes sense and is, in fact, completely justifiable, or at least somewhat. So let's dive in. Mm -hmm. The far-left Detroit News reported 
on this latest development on Thursday after reporting by the Gateway Pundit earlier this week. A redacted police report describes how Muskegon County or Muskegon City Clerk uh, Meish encountered a woman dropping off 8,000 to 10,000 completed voter registration applications. The Gateway Pundit reported that the registrations included the same handwriting, non-existent addresses, and incorrect phone numbers. An investigation found that the woman worked for GBI Strategies. GBI Strategies was funded by a dark money super PAC, Black PAC, which paid them $11,254,919 to register voters for Joe Biden. The Gateway Pundit reported earlier that during the investigation, the police found guns, burner phones, prepaid cash cards, and incomplete registrations at a defunct eyeglass store where GBI Strategies had set up operation. The Detroit News confirmed our reporting in an article on Friday. This report was dropped before the weekend. This is a massive development. And this is the Detroit News uh, article of it. Authorities in Michigan referred a 2020 investigation into thousands of voter registrations submitted by a person in Muskegon to the FBI. Attorney General Dana Nessel's office confirmed this week. Nessel's press secretary, Danny Wimmer, said the total number of suspected fraudulent forms delivered to the Muskegon clerk by the individual was 8,000 to 10,000 ahead of the November 3rd, 2020 presidential election. However, Wimmer said the attempted fraud was caught before election day because Michigan's election system worked and the application or the applicants were not added to the state's voter rolls. The city clerk in Muskegon detected the fraudulent material provided and alerted the proper authorities. Wimmer said in a statement, a thorough investigation was conducted by multiple agencies within the state and no successful fraud was perpetrated upon the state's election process or qualified voter file. Here's how I'm going to explain to you. Thank God for that. Yeah. Here's how I'm going to explain to you that that statement is patent bullshit. What you heard um, highlighted from, and you guys are welcome to go to the gateway pundit and read their original report. It is very long and it is very thorough, but GBI strategies was funded for $11 million they had $11 million. And this woman, who, by the way, was arrested, claimed that she was being paid per ballot registration. And so this okay. is one single person who was caught with 8,000 to 10,000 fake voter registration registrations. One single person. Alan, do you think an $11 million operation has only one person working for them? I mean, that sounds, sounds like it would be a very highly paid single person. Yeah, that would be a very highly paid single and individual person. Second note to make mm -hmm. here is this woman was caught because she was walking in to the county clerk's office with stacks upon stacks of voter registration forms that were faulty. That's fine. But a human being saw her and thought, man, that looks suspicious. But what about somebody who was going up to these drop boxes that showed up in 2020 because of COVID? Was anyone watching those? Yeah, what about that? 
Of course not. So the only reason why this woman got caught, a single person with 8,000 to 10,000 ballots, one person, was just the idiot who went into the clerk's office instead of throwing them into a drop box. So did anyone get suspicious at the drop boxes? Probably not. No one was monitoring them. But yeah. at the same time, I mm-hmm. I certainly remember around the 2020 election, I remember a bunch of people talking about, oh, hey, I just saw this person pull up to a drop box and had or was driving to a drop box with stacks of ballots, ballots in their trunk. Yeah. I remember hearing a bunch of sort of random reports of things like that, and it seemed like no one ever paid attention to it or nothing ever came of it. Well, and it may be a little suspicious because, uh, I don't know, like, what about the, um, what about like 2,000 mules? That's a very good point. I mean, that... about 2,000 mules? How many other states were people trying to do this in and it just never got caught? That's what we, that's what I certainly wonder. And that's a very reasonable concern. Mm -hmm. And... I think we've all known that. It's very reasonable to be concerned about the integrity of elections because we see that fraud is at least being attempted. Now, the other point, thing that I want to point out is not just that, and I think, I, I think I've made the point pretty well for our audience, like it's a single person. There were obviously a lot of people involved in this. This is an $11 million operation. Now, it could be $11 million nationally, which is still an incredible amount of money. Um, but they had a hard site set up in Michigan. So it was, you know, when they talk about the eyeglass store, it was a place that used to sell eyeglasses. And then obviously GBI strategies rented that space during the election as a, as a hard site location, which is, you know, totally fine. These things happen, right? But they had an office location. In fact, I, I, as if I remember correctly, they had multiple across Michigan, and so GBI strategies focused on places like Michigan with the, with their $11 million pot of money. Totally fine, but they're, you know, if they're paying people say uh, you know, a few hundred dollars and I I could probably pull up the previous report uh from Gateway Pundit where the uh the woman that got caught actually uh stated how much she was being paid. So, and it wasn't bad, but it wasn't like an incredible amount of money. You know what I mean? This, this person's basically being paid to be a mule. Um, and so that's also just notable in and of itself is the type of people that they're, uh, that they're bringing in. Now, the other notable on this though, is why when they, when the police went in and they raided this office of GBI strategies, you have to note the things that they found. They found incomplete registrations. Okay, fine. That makes sense. You're a, you know, you're a vote uh, organization. Then they found burner mm-hmm. phones. That's a little suspicious, especially and, and hilarious given that the way that the whole 2000 mules investigation was done used things like the geolocation of cell phones. But these people had burner yeah. phones, which uh, I mean, as an intelligence guy, I don't have an issue inherently with burner phones. I can understand the need for it. And I'm not the kind of person who 
wants to walk around and say, well, obviously that's suspicious, but let's be fair. Obviously that's suspicious. Burner phones are for basically the paranoid and drug dealers. Yeah, exactly. It's like uh, the only reason you need a burner phone is that you are worried that someone is going to be trying to track you. Exactly. You know, and, Which, and you know, it's, it's one of those things where if that's what they were worried about, it means they knew they were doing something wrong that someone would event may try to investigate. Right now. Okay. So this woman was being paid $1,150 per week quote to find unregistered voters and provide them with a form so they can get registered to vote or obtain their absentee ballot. I guarantee mm-hmm. you now just bear with me. Uh, and I think that this was entirely intentional. So do not, don't misunderstand this as me making an excuse and saying that this was just a bad egg among a perfectly normal operation. These people had a minimum. We're going to pay you 1150 a week to go gather, uh, voter registrations. And by gather voter registrations, we mean we, you need to get a thousand a week or something of that nature. I, I guarantee that that's exactly how that worked. And these people... And knowingly from GBI strategies sat there and said, we're not going to check their work. We're just going to check the numbers. I don't give a shit if they fill a thousand out themselves and use fake names, fake addresses and whatever. Those ballots will go out and then people can just go and use them to harvest. I mean, it might sound a little insane because why would you want a bunch of junk ballots? Makes sense. Like, John Smith doesn't actually exist, doesn't actually live at this place. So they fill out a junk ballot. Well, what happens? That person's now registered. There has to be a way for this person to document how many voters they've registered. So it could either be, well, I mean, you would like to think that this company would look at it and say, well, these are all fake. But it doesn't seem like anyone seemed to give a damn that these people were registering fake uh, voters. So what if... It just turns out that this entire thing was an operation where GBI Strategies now has a list of names of newly registered voters that literally anybody could just walk into a building and vote as so-and-so. Yeah. And why not? It doesn't matter that these people... Also, it doesn't matter that these people did or didn't exist. Mm -hmm. Even if we're doing an audit of all of this now, after the election... It seems like that doesn't matter. And it could have been, this has to just look legit enough mm-hmm. that we can win the election and then it doesn't matter. Because afterwards, when we people try to investigate, who cares? Mm-hmm. So it's like we're seeing here. Like this is getting revealed and it's not like it's going to change the outcome of the election. Well, and in it. So di- it doesn't matter that these people are fake. It doesn't matter that even if they had a bunch of people vote on fake names. Because the because it was only meant to be to to work as long as just long enough for the election to happen, it didn't have to be all that serious. It wasn't like they were faking a bunch of people's documentation and all this other things to really hide this. Because hiding it for a long hiding it in perpetuity wasn't the goal. The goal was to win the twenty twenty election, and that seems to have been it. Well. And in addition, well, yes. In in addition to that, well, and and I don't I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole because uh, there's more on this story that we have to hit. But this is where Mike Pence failed. 
Yeah. For as much as Mike Pence wants to bloviate about how great he was for the Constitution, and I was standing up for the Constitution, and I was doing what was right, and blah, blah, blah. In reality, the election got certified. This kind of stuff was happening. And literally all anyone was asking for was to wait to look into things like this. And Mike Pence yeah. pats himself on the back and says, I was being a good boy and I was supporting the Constitution and I was being such a good and moral human being. And in reality, it is entirely possible that while Mike Pence is sitting there fingering his own butthole talking about how great, moral and wonderful he is for the Constitution, he was literally advocating a fucking crime. There was a crime being committed. The voice of the American people was being stifled by dark money super PACs and craven liberal psychos that were out there usurping the vote from the American people, usurping the voice from the American people. And these people have the gall to act like they were doing a good thing by not looking into it. And everyone should have thought that this was suspicious. Mark Elias, the main uh, the, the main lawyer for the DNC, was literally wandering around to every state he possibly could and changing the fucking law to make it so mail-in voting was more prevalent, which is exactly what feeds into this fraud. The entire reason why this fraud yeah. was successful was because it was for mail-in voting. And guess what? I promise you happened here. GBI Strategies gets $11 million to send a bunch of people out there with burner phones and prepaid debit cards and rental cars so they have almost entire anonymity while they're wandering around and filling out fake voter registration. And then GBI Strategies is probably partnered up with a non-governmental organization who was just kind enough in places like Detroit and Lansing and Flint to gather up all of these mail-in ballots and deliver them to these poor, poor people that just can't be bothered to wander up for voting day. And so guess what? GBI Strategies has a list of fake people. This NGO then has a bunch of ballots for these fake people. And then all they do is sit in their wonderful little eyeglass store that they rented and fill out the voter red, uh, fill out the ballots that they just got in the mail from the fake names, the fake people with the fake addresses and fake phone numbers. And they all vote for Joe Biden and they shove them into a Dropbox. That's what happened. I promise you that's what happened. And this happened at a monument, monumental scale. The one person they caught who was dumb enough to wander into a clerk's office had eight to 10,000. How many people can you hire to do this? How many people can you hire to do this that are going to bring in something like eight to 10,000 fraudulent ballots? That could likely be wow. eight to ten million. We also know that they did this because there was this entire. I remember after the election, there was this entire article. I believe it was in the New York Times or Time Magazine. It was, I have I have the link saved. That uh, New Yorker. Basically, the article was essentially titled "How We Did It: How We Defrauded the Election," and it went over how, in gleeful terms, how there was this 
across the United States, this collection of activists that all got together under the auspices of this one group whose sole goal was to make sure Donald Trump couldn't get reelected. And this article talked about, in, again, in joyful, jubilant terms, how we got everybody together and we organized across the United States and we co and we talked with Democrat politicians at the state and federal level. And we organized all these activist groups and we did all this stuff to make sure that we could do anything we possibly could to push to keep Donald Trump from getting elected. And I remember reading that going, oh, my gosh, like you guys are bragging about it. And the, in the terms that this is put in was talking, we had legions of people that were getting voters registered and making sure everybody knew how to vote. Knew, and you read between the lines on it and you go, yeah, you guys totally defrauded this. Yep. This, this is the organism. This is the organization. This is the mechanism through which fraud was perpetrated. And we know. We know that. We have the names. We have all the information. And... I don't think any Republican politician or hardly anyone knows what to do about it, because what do you do about that? It's like uh, it's unprecedented that this is coming. This is something that has come to light. Now, <clears throat> there's an additional part to this that it's, it's very easy with all the just insane amount of information that comes out of it. But there's another part that makes no sense. Like we talked about the burner phones. We talked about the prepaid yep. debit cards. Mm -hmm. But additionally, the police report noted that there were numerous job. Uh, so there's numerous job openings that were posted. This is one thing listed in Flint, Flint, uh, Michigan, and a regional manager posting in Washington, D.C., Chicago, Illinois, and the group had branches across the nation. So these places were everywhere. But during the investigation of the specific one in Muskegon, they mm -hmm. found the partially completed voter registration forms. They also found Pelican cases in a room with semi-automatic rifles joined with suppressors and optics and customized pistols. One case had four rifles and four pistols. So GBI Strategies, which is a it's a Tennessee-based firm. Um, it's a Tennessee-based firm, and that, like, for example, one of the things uh, that's found here is like GBI Strategies was paid one hundred eighty-eight thousand dollars by the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee in twenty eighteen, and they've been linked with the Biden administration or the the Biden campaign and all sorts of other things. So they have. They, they're they're a ballot ballot harvesting operation, which isn't necessarily illegal. But then they have burner phones, they have prepaid debit cards, and they have suppressed weapons with optics. Why what does that sound weapons? like to That's you? That's a very surprising one. Yeah, like what what does that sound like to you? <laughs> sounds like a communist insurgency, is what it sounds like. And so, like. The, the funny part about it is, of course, the police investigate, right? They find Pelican cases full of weapons. They were all legal. Yeah, of course. Like, yeah. And, and well, thank God the Second Amendment allows the communist insurgency of trying to destroy the country to be armed. I mean, that's all fine, but I still have questions. Like, great. I'm, I'm very happy that they were legal, I suppose. But why did they have them? <laughs> like, why does why did an eyeglass shop being rented by a Democrat uh, ballot harvesting firm 
need suppressed weapons. Like I'm totally like, look, man, I, I love the idea of you owning guns, but I think I'm perfectly within my right. Wondering why a Democrat ballot harvesting operation needs to have suppressed, uh, rifles. So the question is what, what were those supposed to be for? So the only two options I can, well, the only option I can really think is that Democrats, these, like, basically all of these people are the same. I'm not going to, there's no difference between Antifa, the Antifa group and these people. Think of them all as the same, just they happen to not be wearing the black hoodie that day. Right. I mean. Were they armed like this because they have this paranoia about right-wing militias trying to stop them? Was were these was this designed as like oh if if the if the right wing Nazis figure out what we're up to they're gonna try and send a bunch of dudes in pickup trucks to come and murder us? They clearly have that mentality, and I wonder is if they're so far down that road that they are arming their ballot harvesting operations like this as as a means of self defense. Which honestly, I'm I'm actually flattered that they think the right wing is that <laughs> competent and capable enough to actually do this. I mean, at the same time though, at like, like this is going to sound like a bad movie. Bear with me because sometimes these people act like a bad movie. <clears throat> it sounds like a foreign intelligence operation. Everything about what I'm hearing here. I have seen this before. I've absolutely mm-hmm. seen this before. Mm-hmm. A derelict business in the middle of a very urbanized area that gets very little attention. And then everything is paid for through prepaid debit cards and burner cell phones. And then weaponry that's hidden in a Pelican case in a uh, obscure location is every foreign intelligence operation that I've ever been a part of or have seen being operated um, by other foreign groups. I have another alternative. Okay. Who who runs those foreign intelligence operations that do things like this? Their their intelligence community, like, yeah. Okay. I mean, I can. Does the I United can name States them. intelligence community do this exact same thing in foreign countries? Yes, we Why absolutely wouldn't they do, do the same here? Yeah, and that's that's kind of the problem. Yeah, was this a CIA operation to make sure we tilted the election in the CIA's favor? I mean, to elect the candidate they wanted. That's that's the wild part about it, right? Is like, would the CIA do this? Yeah, this is exactly yeah. how they would do this. This is exactly what they would fact, do. I would say it's probably more likely that this operation was at least done in concert with the CIA or FBI, and it's probably more likely them than it would be a foreign actor. Yeah. Well. Yes. I. I mean. Yeah. I agree. Like, I'm not. I like the idea of it making it sound like you know foreign operation but in reality like you don't need to you know you, you don't need to get yeah. you know uh you don't need to get i don't know maybe, maybe it was the ukrainian sbu because <laughs> they don't need trump looking under the hood i don't know but i don't really think that that sure. is necessary because it would just be the cia because of course they would yeah uh, and the cia i'm sure under the auspices of we are protecting the country from violent domestic extremists because as you remember as we all should constantly be aware, white supremacist terrorists are the greatest terror threat affecting the nation. And I can see in Langley and at the FBI headquarters, someone could use that as the justification for why this kind of operation was necessary because it would be protecting the United States from in, from 
a the concerted efforts of terrorists trying to destabilize our great country. Well, and herein lies the other interesting thing, and this will be a good caveat into our next story, but um, riddle, riddle me this, Batman. Mm-hmm. Totally fine that, you know, when we look at the investigation and the stuff the Gateway Pundit is putting out, they say that the weapons were legal. That's fine. But that also means that the person had to have a Class 3 license. There's zero way that you're able to have a suppressor unless you have a Class 3 tax stamp. Yeah, you, you have to, suppressors have to be registered with the federal government and you need the tax stamp, which mm-hmm. def, which attaches it to a specific person or organization. You can't just... you. You can't legally just have a suppressor. It has to be registered with the federal government. Right. And that's fine. You can just have a suppressor. The thing is, (laughs) this could be essentially an illegally produced suppressor. I know people, there's a bunch of things online where basically you can buy what's not a suppressor and make it work. The ATF, maybe, if they want to, will then come to your door and say, hey, you are in violation of the National Firearms Act. But... Either this suppressor was highly illegal or it belonged to somebody. Well, and given given that the explanation from the Michigan State Police is that everything was legal, then these were legal suppressors, which means class three tax stamp, mm-hmm. which is totally fine. Except you tell me whether or not, and I know sometimes people hate to hate to do this, but you tell me whether or not a Republican um, voting operation that's armed to the teeth would not predicate any investigation by the FBI, any wonder thought it would be absolutely impossible. There's zero way that the federal Bureau of investigation would not be up the ass of every single person involved in this organization, like solidly up the ass of these people. There's no way. If, if this was yeah. a Republican voting operation mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. raided the office and found weapons with suppressors and optics, it wouldn't matter whether you had all the proper paperwork and it was in triplicate and you had it oh, and you sure. re-registered it every fucking week. The FBI would be so far up your ass they could give you a root canal. It a hundred percent. And by the way. There was a pretty active FBI around that time because weren't wasn't there an entire operation just, you know, west of them trying to kidnap the governor? So it's not like the FBI was interested in political potential political violence at the time because they were staging a kidnapping in Grand Rapids. Right. So additionally, every sorry, just south prosecutor, every local politician, every state politician would be highly involved in this sort of thing if it was a republican the local news the me- the main the national news would be blowing this up and making a huge deal out of it the fact the- that that didn't happen proves to me that somebody high up that this was being protected from on high yeah it's like this wasn't just a ballot harvesting operation this was a democrat party and deep state coordinated ballot harvesting operation in order to ensure that a candidate that the intelligence community, a candidate that the law enforcement, the say deep state, if you will, a candidate that the Democrat Party and all of their donors, a candidate they none of those people liked, it was to ensure that that guy couldn't get elected. And they colluded together 
in as many illegal and legal ways they possibly could to ensure that American democracy wasn't allowed to happen. Right. And it's just... It's completely insane that every single person in the United States should be full of wonder and full of questions as to why the FBI had seemingly zero questions and zero interest in anything that has, that has anything to do with this. Like the fact that they had no question at all, they did not care. Like, no, it was, you know, very highly, uh, a very highly armed voting operation. That's fine. Who needs to ask any questions? Nothing, Mm -hmm. nothing to see here. That's yeah. Oh wow, a uh, a vote harvesting operation with a bunch of weapons. Ah, probably fine. It's probably fine. I'm sure it's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Now Uh, it's because the FBI is basically colluding with the Democrats, who are colluding with a set of global elites to basically ensure that democracy is not allowed to happen. Because the people of the United States have been consistently voted for things that they don't like. Have been consistently voting for things that the globalists don't like. Right. Now, the how can I prove to you? <laughs> how can I prove to you that the uh, that there's a two tier justice system, and that the FBI, uh, if this was you know a Republican operation, the FBI would certainly be interested. Well, that come, brings us to our next story. And uh, that that story uh, completely and totally involves um, a gentleman in Utah named Craig Robertson. Mm-hmm. So Craig Robertson is a 75-year-old disabled Air Force veteran who happened okay. to have been murdered uh, by the FBI. And I say that um, not even to be hyperbolic. Everything about this case is completely bullshit. So here's here's the summary of it. Craig Robertson uh, was very active on Facebook because of course he was. He's a boomer. Uh, and his activity on Facebook was just a lot of very heated political things. Most likely because I'm a rational human being and a regular person um, and not a pundit asshole. He was probably posting uh, hot takes to piss off liberals that he knew on social media, as a lot of people do. It's kind of the game that people play. But of course, he posted things about killing Joe Biden. And yeah, okay. To be fair, when you post things about killing the president of the United States, you don't get to be too surprised that people come and knock on your door. Notice I said knock on your door. And that makes sense. So you make threats about the president. Well, he found out also that the uh, what we were originally told in this story was that Craig Robertson, you know, heard that Joe Biden was going to be coming to Utah. And he in one of his posts said, I should get out my old ghillie suit and my sniper rifle and just take it out. Take him out. Okay. Classic, just old guy, baby boomer blustering. Right. Of course. And pretty obvious. Now, whether or not, you know, this gets taken seriously by law enforcement. Sure. But what is the typical standard of how they would investigate something like this when somebody makes a post like that on Facebook? Well, as an intelligence, which is, which, mm -hmm. 
let's say you are what this would could be considered oh it's a threat against the bodily security of the president of the united states of course fine mm-hmm. i can understand how law enforcement can interpret it that way i was kind of thought after the four years of trump where people were holding up pictures of his severed head and not getting shot by the fbi that this was not really taken all that seriously but i can understand why they would but usually it's the secret service that would be investigating these sort of things yeah that's kind of how i generally thought it was supposed to work because you know they're in charge of this the normal process of how you know really any sort of threat assessment is done is first of all just so everyone's aware there's never really a time that anyone just kind of goes ignore it that's never going to happen there's always going to be some sort of Mm -hmm. activity that happens but as standard while doing a threat assessment especially when it comes to threats against a person one of the first big flags that would occur on this is you have to ask yourself where is the statement being made and how is the statement being made so while doing a threat assessment which i've done and doing a threat assessment for people the threat against a person i have also done when someone's posting something publicly on social media it actually lowers the risk category why because people who are actually going to do some shit don't openly talk about it because they usually right. don't want to get stopped. Right? Right. Yes. You know, if there's ever public postings by mass shooters, it's like seconds before they start pulling the trigger. It's never days before people have to try to like ferret out secret meanings from earlier posts. Like I can't take it anymore. I need this to stop. I'm going to make it stop. And people go, Oh, they were talking about the shooting. You know what I mean? So the point is is that when people are publicly posting it, it, a lot of times it is someone venting their spleen. Now, when it comes to federal, like a federal protectee, it doesn't matter because They'll look at it and go, this is probably not serious. This is just angry old man shouting at cloud. But we're still going as a matter of normal process in investigation. A couple of secret service agents from the local field office are going to go knock on this guy's door and they're going to have a conversation. They're absolutely going to because they want to do um, that additional assessment and they will get an additional assessment about whether or not this person is uh, mentally has like mental problems, which, by the way, the Secret Service can absolutely refer somebody um, to mental health issues. Like if if the person's kind of crazy and potentially a danger to themselves or others, um, the Secret Service is part of a law enforcement arm. And so they are able to make a referral to somebody who may have mental problems. Uh, second of all, you know, they're going to evaluate whether or not the person may or may not be armed. Um, it depends on the extent of the, you know, capabilities that they have. Sometimes it's just a standard conversation. And then sometimes there may be a warrant involved in which they search the premises to see if this person even has any of the weapons. But I promise yeah. you. But what we're saying mm-hmm. is none of this happened in this case. Well, is that in none this that case, we're aware this guy of. was making inflammatory Facebook threats and mm-hmm. they started investigating him for and then they showed up and shot him in the face. Well, but hold on. There, there's a reason why I want to go down this road. Okay. And, and, and it's because I need I need everyone to understand in reality the uniqueness 
and the complete the uniqueness of this case compared to uh, yeah compared to normal protocol normal standard protocol that happens every single day every single day um yep. so whether or not this guy was ever approached by the secret service i don't know uh, there's been no testimony from anyone uh, that that I've seen from any witnesses or anything that ever said that, oh, yeah, I remember that one time the Secret Service showed up and talked to this guy. I have no idea. I have zero idea whether or not he was ever approached by the Secret Service. That is unknown. What we do know, though, is for some reason, the FBI was involved. Now, typically, a federal protectee like the president of the United States, the entire purview of that is the Secret Service. If, if you today made a threat against the uh, life of Joe Biden and it hits the radar um, of law enforcement, as normal, usually your door is going to get knocked on and it's sure. going to be the Secret Service because they're the ones that investigate this stuff. Whether or not there's a process that they tip it over to the FBI, I don't know. And perhaps it's because he supposedly made additional threats against other people um, within the administration. I just don't know why that wouldn't still just be the Secret Service. But for some reason, yeah. there seems to be a weird chain of custody issue here where something that normally the Secret Service would handle got handed over to the FBI. Well, the other suspicious part of it is that this entire situation happened the day before Joe Biden arrived. And just so you're aware of the entirety of the situation, a group of members from the FBI showed up at Craig Robertson's house, knocked on the door. This was not, this was the day prior, knocked on the door and neighbors are said to have heard him yell and say, come back when you have a warrant. Okay. Which means they didn't have a warrant. Which means they did not have a warrant. They didn't have a warrant. He said, come back when you have a warrant, slam the door in their face. The next day at six o'clock in the morning, armored vehicles and unmarked vehicles show up at Craig Robertson's house and guys in OCP camo, for those of you who don't know, that's the kind of shit we wore in Afghanistan and combat helmets with AR-15 rifles show right, a up. Full FBI SWAT team. Yeah. Full FBI SWAT team shows up on this guy's lawn and with a loudspeaker says, Craig Robertson, purportedly, Craig Robertson, come out with your hands up and then flashbangs are detonated. Right. They basically then, storm the house in order to take him. For one uh, reason or another, Craig Robertson is shot, from what I've seen, 37 times by the FBI and dr dragged across his lawn after he's been mm -hmm. shot Laid on the ground. They did attempt to resuscitate him. There was no chance in hell that he was going to live. Covered him in a sheet and left his body there for six hours. While hmm. they investigated. Okay. Pretty clear message. Seems pretty fucking excessive, I think, to any rational human being. What was so dangerous? And then, of course, this was the initial stuff that we heard. But we've learned some additional details about Craig Robertson. Now, we learned additional details Law enforcement did not. These are details law enforcement would have known. Craig Robertson walks with a cane because he's disabled. He doesn't walk so, so well. Neighbors talk about how he doesn't walk too well. He's, he's just, he's, he's not doing so great. He's 75 years old and he doesn't yeah. walk well. And he also, by the way, lives with his blind son. Takes care yeah, of takes his son. Takes care of his blind son. Mm -hmm. Walks with a cane. Is overweight. And is 75. Yeah. 
Well, and I can understand, you know, the FBI hears all of these, sees these, so there's these inflammatory posts, and this is probably another one of those white supremacist terrorists that we've been told by our bosses at the FBI headquarters, we need to take super duper seriously. Joe Biden's coming to town. Let's take out this white nationalist terrorist. And they just show up one day and he's like, we'll take him out. Oh, we need a, he says we need a warrant. Oh, but the thing is that that doesn't really work because we found out later the FBI, the Law enforcement has been investigating him for six months prior to this. And in those six months, nobody ever came to the conclusion of, oh, this guy's basically disabled and takes care of his blind son. And yeah, he's he's not really a white supremacist terrorist. He's not going to do anything like or if he was such a threat, it's not clear. If he yeah, was, it's not clear if anybody even approached him and said, "Hey, I'm with whatever organization. We are invest. We I, we've been told to investigate you for a threat against the president. It's not my assessment that you necessarily are a threat, but you might want to know that law enforcement is getting notified of your posts on Facebook. Mm-hmm. They couldn't even do that courtesy. Like, hey, if you want to." Keep, it couldn't even threaten him. Like, hey, uh, you know, we've been investigating you for three months. Uh, you better stop posting on social media if you want to keep taking care of your blind son. No, none of that. Just, you know what? We need a we need to mount this guy's head on the wall to scare everybody else into compliance. Well, and the, the timing is the most suspicious part. If this had just happened, yeah. uh, if this yeah. had just happened randomly, it we, we we would be, I mean, we would still say all of the same things and we would be like, yeah, this guy's sending a message, but there's something different here. They've been following him for six months. He didn't appear. I, I We have to assume that he wasn't enough of a threat at any time during those six months. Although looking through all the posts that he had, that the media is using to make this seem like it was totally legitimate are throughout time. But none of them were threatening enough for law enforcement to engage. So even though the media is saying like, well, but look at how dangerous this guy looks. Oh, he looks so dangerous. Isn't he scary? He's wearing a combat helmet. He has an AR-15. Isn't that super scary, guys? He's talking about shooting Joe Biden in the face. Isn't that scary? But not scary enough. Not scary enough. Six months of investigating, that means that they were seeing this. And by the way, Craig Robertson made, made hints that he knew. Because he posted on social media before he died saying, hey, FBI, are you still reading my posts? Now, sometimes that's just a joke in the right wing community. Might not have been a joke for Craig Robertson. But I guess that's the whole question here is for six months, he wasn't a threat. But then suddenly he was. And Alan, you have a theory as to why he suddenly, quote, became a threat. And really what happened? Why was he killed then? So this whole thing seemed to come to drastically dramatically escalate. They've been following him for six months. They've been reading his posts. Presumably, whoever was in charge of that was looking at this going, okay, we keep getting notified about this guy, but he's an old disabled dude who takes care of his blind son. He's not going to do anything. This is all just bluster to impress his friends on Facebook. Clearly. Mm-hmm. Well, then Joe Biden decides he's going to make a trip to Utah. And somebody at the local FBI field office, I think, saw this and went, I have an opportunity to make a name for myself. Mm. I have an opportunity to get promoted. I have an opportunity to get noticed by the people at the top. You know what we're going to do? Joe Biden's coming to town. 
Guess who's going to be stopping a white supremacist terrorist the day before he shows up? And then when he gets here, he's going to be briefed like, Mr. President, uh, so-and-so at the local FBI field office, or the local FBI field office just saved your bacon by killing this white supremacist terrorist. And Joe Biden's going to go, well, that's, whoa, we need to, who, who was this brave agent? Let's pin a medal on him. And I think that's exactly why this happened. I think yeah. that, that someone at the FBI, at their local field office, was trying to make a name for themselves and get noticed by the people up top. And they thought, oh, we'll just go kill a white nationalist terrorist. And that will get my name on the books. That'll get me in front of Joe Biden. I might even get a medal for it. Yeah. I mean, it pains me to say this, but I'm pretty sure that Craig Robertson died. So some fuckface could get a corner office on the seventh floor at FBI headquarters. Unfortunately, that does seem to be the case. Yeah. Like that, se- that seems like the, the best explanation for this is essentially that. And I, I'm fairly willing to put money that the special agent in charge or perhaps the head of the Utah field or the Salt Lake city field office or whichever, because I believe this was in Provo. A pretty good feeling that that guy's going to be packing his house up pretty soon and making a trip to DC. Probably. Yeah. At the very minimum, the FBA would kind of have to, or else this would be an embarrassing incident that they would want to avoid. Like it, this guy has to, it, this has to now be considered as a win by the FBI, or else they have to admit that one of their agents essentially just abused the whole terror classification to kill a guy in order to promote his own career yeah we can't allow that so we have to just all right we'll promote this guy quietly make this all kind of go away i could see people in the fbi almost being embarrassed by this and it's like either we have to turn into this directly and pretend it's all legit or this is going to be extremely embarrassing for the fbi and the biden administration no i i I think honestly the top brass loves this i think they absolutely love it because Christopher Ray got to go up to Joe Biden and be like, the FBI yeah. just saved your life. We're fucking heroes. Yeah. And then, you know. Who cares that we killed a guy? We killed a guy who was just posting stuff on Facebook. We killed an old disabled guy who takes care of his blind son. Yeah, we don't care about him. Yeah, fuck I him. I care about my career. We care yeah. about doing. Th- he was just some white guy, so we don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was probably on his way out anyway. And yeah. Yeah, what, what, you have to crack if you have to crack a few eggs to make a career omelet, Alan. Um, you need to understand that. Uh, very true. <laughs> Just yeah, I, I think I think Craig Robertson was a sacrifice that was made so somebody could uh, make their way into the DC field office. And like I said, unfortunately, I yeah, think you're right. The, we're, we are we are 100 going to see articles in the future, in the near future. That are going to come out and it's, you know, it's only going to be right wing media because they're the only ones that actually cover truthful things. And it's going to come out and say special agent in charge of the murder of Craig Robertson has just been reappointed to Washington, D.C. and is now the special agent in charge of, I don't know, the fucking like domestic uh, terror extremist uh, task force. Or some yeah. nonsense like that. This person is going to get promoted, just like we saw these promotions happen in the FBI previously. Whenever you work right. within the, right. you know, whenever you work within the sphere of the Uniparty, 
and do exactly what the uh, you know the Democrat establishment and the you know New World Order wants you to do. That's how you get a cushy career in the FBI. We've seen these promotions occur before. Well, and it's this we've seen it with say like Peter Strzok, with Miley, with anybody who is willing to sacrifice their morals in order to do what the ruling elite want, get rewarded. And I think that's corrupted the entire U.S. Bureauc- federal bureaucracy, mm-hmm. is now filled with people whose who's sole goal is to get promoted. And essentially, the rules have been set up over the last few year- many years that if you want to be promoted, if you want to be successful and do well, you have to essentially be more loyal to your career and thus essentially the deep state than you are to the U.S. Constitution. Mm-hmm. And if that's the rules of the game, then it's not surprising that the people who win at that game are the most amoral, career-minded people. It's the same with the U.S. military. Instead of having competence and success be your guidelines for advancement, it's all about, are you a politically good pick for this generalship position? Have you played the right games? Do you know the right people? That's become more important than actual capability. And indeed, I would honestly even argue, potentially with the military and mostly and certainly with all these other organizations, being highly competent might even be a negative because you'll embarrass your boss. And so someone that's less competent but not embarrassing to their boss Mm -hmm. or makes their boss look good to their political superiors, that person gets promoted and has and that's been going on for years. And now the entire federal bureaucracy is probably filled with people like this. Yeah, no, yeah, it's and it certainly is. Now, I don't want to be completely unfair because there is a second potential that isn't sure. anything about some sort of crazy bureaucratic, you know, gamesmanship. And that second potential is that the FBI is full of um, absolute pussies. And they heard that a 75-year-old disabled man might have a boomstick and were like, oh, "Oh, fuck, get the MRAPs. This is so super scary because I'm a giant sopping puss bag and a total fucking coward, which is why I joined the FBI, because I'm a little tiny child. And this is essentially the standard for not just the FBI, but I think all law enforcement is massive, overwhelming force response to every single situation. I mean, we've talked to people have been always liberals used to care about militarization of police. And I think we're seeing exactly the problem now is any situation where it's like, well, we think the guy might have weapons like, oh, send the tactical team. And then those guys show up. And basically it's the if you have a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. If you show up and you're being told this guy has a weapon, like all the people in the tactical team will respond as if he's like a dangerous member of a drug cartel rather than just some aging guy with uh, walks with a cane yeah because they're they're not they're trained to take everything super duper seriously because their lives are at risk and nobody is and no one wants to be the probably no one wants to be the guy that says hey let's take this let's not react all that concerned about this guy let's give him an extra chance like if he yells at us let's not respond with lethal violence immediately because look at him he's just this aging guy who's like just rightfully upset that we're on his lawn no one wants to be the guy that makes that choice and it's like but then an agent got shot like oh well now i'm fired so it has to be we have to take everything hyper seriously as if 
this guy's a member of the Sinaloa cartel ready to like murder us with a chainsaw because I don't want to be the guy that says, take it easy on this aging disabled guy. And then he accidentally shoots somebody. So, you know what? Just act as though he's the greatest terror threat since bin Laden. And that juxtaposed to law enforcement standing by while cities are on fire just makes me fucking hate the entire, Isn't just it? everybody yeah. in law enforcement. Just go fuck yourself. Like It, it, it sucks because like, yeah. I know, I, I know police. I know that there are good police officers that are perfectly fine people, but at a certain point, why do you still fucking work there? Why are you in law enforcement? All you do is oppress the American people at this point and not the right ones. You're not going to arrest somebody who is actually committing a crime because their race might make your job hard. So, like, who the fuck are you helping? Well, and the problem, it's also with law enforcement. A lot of these guys go to work. They do their thing problem is their bosses and the DAs and all these other people are mm-hmm. setting an agenda that they sort of have to follow or it's their job. Right. And a lot of, I think a lot of police, even if they're the most well-meaning people, aren't going to jeopardize their retirement. I think that's a lot. That is a lot to ask of people. I, so jeopardize so, their retirement for principles. Real quick. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. that is what we have to ask of them. I, I know we do we do regularly we we talk about um, that being the whole thing like I don't want to jeopardize my retirement my pension my what have you and it's a very no good exa- yeah it's a very good example when we talk about things like the FBI but I, I want to add a little bit when it comes to local law enforcement because I know I, I'm saying things that are very like poison filled and to be fair it's because I'm angry this is like this is an- another situation similar to like Ruby Ridge. You know, uh-huh. it's just, it's insanity. It's such an over-escalation of force that how am I not supposed to look at this situation and not go, okay, so the FBI has declared open war on certain people and certain people being specific politics. That's why this happened because I know Antifa can make threats all fucking day and the FBI won't do anything about it. So don't tell me right. that it doesn't look like it's an open war against conservatives against republicans or against just average americans that aren't deranged woke lunatics but when it comes to local law enforcement i will give them a certain pass very specifically because it's not just their retirement because they they could go to jail because we just saw an officer who was found guilty of, as far as I know, just being nearby when St. George Floyd was martyred on the fentanyl cross. And he's going to go to jail for like two years. Yeah. So uh, it was, um, Oh, what's the guy's name off? He was the Asian officer who was standing nearby, controlling the crowd while Derek Chauvin brutally murdered St. George Floyd on the ground. St. George Floyd of fentanyl. Need him to the throat until death. (laughs) And because this officer was standing there doing his job of crowd control during an arrest of a praised drug addict, a judge recently just sentenced him to 57 months in prison I guess for aiding and abetting the murder of a saint, I guess. Yeah, the martyrdom. The martyrdom yeah. of a saint. Saints saints aren't murdered, Alan. They're martyred. Oh, of course. Yes. Right. Um, George Floyd be praised. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> but it, in, in, in addition to all that nonsense, uh, so I understand it, it's very rough these days to be law enforcement, to be a local police officer. It certainly would be. To include, um, hilariously, there, there's this really entertaining guy in this area. He actually works in D.C. He's a council member for Ward 8 in Washington, D.C. His name's uh, uh, Trayon White. Um, and he is wild. Uh, for those of you who probably have no idea, because why would you pay attention to local D.C. politics? He made national news during the inauguration of Joe Biden because it started snowing. And he claimed it's because the Rothschilds <laughs> control the weather. And so he had to apologize and like he had to basically do like one of those press conferences where he finds like eight rabbis that will stand there with him while he apologizes for anti-Semitism. Um, Interesting. So wait, was he saying the Jews control the weather or that the Rothschilds, the international banking family? He specifically said the Rothschilds, but for some weird huh. reason that was taken as all Jews. I, I, mm. I, I had noted that I was very surprised because I was unaware that the Rothschilds specifically were like represented all Jews. Yeah, which is surprising because, you know, I feel like a lot of people are pretty critical of, say, the global banking for like financing all the wars and stuff. Well, to say that that is that's... indicative of the behavior of all Jews is. I think rather anti-Semitic, honestly. I mean, being critical of global banking might be. <laughs> so, we're not saying being critical. Being critical of global banking is a anti-Semitic dog whistle. <laughs> is certainly a rather ridiculous, a rather incredible statement. We're not saying here on Wrong Think Radio that the Jewish community is involved in global finance and international banking. But what we are saying, saying what we are saying, wild. (laughs) What we are saying is that if you are critical of international banking and global finance, you're anti-Semitic. Which (laughs) honestly is a very convenient thing for global banking. They have this, veil they can pull over it's like nothing to see here anti-sem only anti-semites look behind the curtain <laughs> uh, which i think is a lot like if you look it's like it's exactly like the term racist like anti-semite is used essentially to make people make it so people don't look under the hood and see corruption in something and it's a very good excuse because everyone goes well, i certainly don't want to be anti-semitic we better just let the bad thing keep happening if um <laughs> If people want to know why Alan and I are joking around so much about this, it's because um, it's because Alan and I have an ongoing running joke that we've had for years um, because of all the different stuff that we look at on social media. You know, we, we run the gamut. Right. And so there's a lot of times that we like with full knowledge. You know, because we're all, we're Intel guys. You have to collect everything, man. There's nothing you say no to when you want to look at information. But there are so many times that like <laughs> we'll see articles where it's like, this is what the extreme right, the alt right, the white supremacists believe. And we're able to very distinctly say, oh, no, that's not actually what they believe. Because we know. Because we'll, we we follow yeah. those accounts. We know where those pages are. We read what they post. We know what they're talking about. Because that is that is the only good way to really truly understand everything that's going on. So we have this long-running joke 
because the left will call things anti-Semitic or racist and we're able to go back and go, oh, I guess the white supremacists were right because (laughs) there's so many times that the left will call something racist or anti-Semitic and it will literally prove the point that somebody on like 4chan made a year ago. Like something that is 100% absolutely racist and it's like, oh man, these dudes are going to be able to turn around and take what this dumb shit lib is saying and go, see guys, I told you they were all this way or that way and they're confirming it right here. Yeah. And well, and, and like I said, a lot of it be, is used by people that know that they can hide essentially corruption and malfeasance mm-hmm. if they claim looking into their corruption and malfeasance is racist or anti-Semitic or whatever. It's like yeah. only white nationalists are <coughs> upset that Pfizer's making billions of dollars on the vaccine. You're like, oh, well, I don't want to be a white supremacist. I better be okay with that. Like <laughs> only white supremacists are upset that DuPont is pouring chemicals and kiddie pools like well i don't want to be a white supremacist they better we better let them get away with it only the only the far right cares about microplastics in the food supply like oh god well we better just allow that microplastics are good actually (laughs) not only are microplastics good i'm gonna cut my kid's dick off (laughs) yeah only the far right would caution you against permanently sterilizing your child like oh gosh that's what the racists want like well i better do the opposite then lay down timmy we're getting the kitchen knife we're woke now yeah you don't want to be anti-semitic do you (laughs) so uh (laughs) all right it's so much fun i remember just real quick because i've I've, i don't know why i've been thinking about this but like uh it's one of those situations where like when i'm prepping the show and everything i'm like man i remember how i used to do this and uh well i guess i i could explain uh, I don't. I don't need to get too much into it right now. It's nothing crazy. Um, there, there's just been some situations that I saw recently um, that made me think about, like when we first started this program back in 2015, uh, when when it really kind of started being a thing, and it was just like this little pre-recorded podcast uh, that I was doing in, um, you know, in, in Bagram Airfield, um, and it's interesting to me because I remember. Early on, I brought you on as a co-host, and one of the one of the jokes that we made was, "It's only going to be a matter of time until they tell you that you have to blow a dude, or else you're a homophobe." And we were yeah. saying it as this huge joke, and now I look back on it, and I was like, "Oh shit, <laughs> that's happening." Impressive. There's there's literal articles out now that are like, "If you don't date a you know, if you don't date a tr- a transgender woman, you're a transphobe because transgender women are women, even if they're pre-op." And so it's just they're literally saying, "Like you have to blow that dude, or else you're transphobic." Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> oh, oh my god. Well, okay. To be fair, I, I guess I could say it. I don't know why I'm censoring myself. We used to regularly make the joke, "Suck the dick, you bigot." <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh my god so it's amazing to me um for those of you who think that this is going to be your normal podcast where i'm going to say frick and dang um it's not <laughs> we were in the army you're gonna have to deal with that so i'm only saying that because if i get messages about my ling- my course language if your kids are listening to this don't abuse your kids kids should not listen to political talk radio 
Um, yeah. you know, if they're old enough to understand what's going on, sure, maybe, but then they've probably heard these words before and say them in school. If they're little kids, put on something that might entertain them. It would be boring as hell to do this. Anyway, mm-hmm. beyond that, so the FBI murdered a guy uh, because he said mean things about Joe Biden. Uh, and, you know, I, I just, um, to be honest, I don't care. I don't care what the left says. Well, he was saying threats against the pro. Oh, shut up. They weren't serious. I, I, Shut I up. For four years, as people did way worse threats against President Trump, and I was never, and I was told that that was simply satire and comedy and whatever else. Yeah. So no, I hey. I refused. I refused to care uh, any about this. In fact, any, if anything, there's not enough threats being made against Joe Biden. <laughs> like, <laughs> fair is more. fair. Yeah, fair is fair. Well, and, and at the same time, I never advocated for, an, you know, an FBI SWAT team to go kick in somebody's door and shoot them in the face because they said something on, you know, Facebook or Twitter. I'm not yes, exactly. I, I don't want to pretend I don't want to play the game of free speech absolutist. I mean, I'm I'm a pretty free speech absolutist um, right. in, in, in theory. I'll say it that that much in theory. There's a certain point of free speech absolutism that I, I don't agree with. And let me explain I'm what that is. I'm a free speech absolutist for people that are that share the same fate as I do. Well, we don't necessarily have to be allies, but we can't be enemies. My well, enemies don't get free speech, and that's just the way it is. Well, there's certainly that they shouldn't. They shouldn't even have guns or really any rights in general. Why would I want people <laughs> who hate me and want me dead to have guns, to be able to vote, to have free speech, to exist alongside me? That yeah. seems like. I'm only asking for trouble and dooming myself or my descendants to a civil war. Yeah, can- cancer has just as much a right to live in your body as your white blood cells, you jerk. Um, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I thought you were libertarian. Why don't you let the cancer live in your liver? How dare you set borders? <laughs> um, <laughs> it feels that way a lot of times, right? No, what I mean, yeah. I understand what you're talking about. And of course, right? That's, that's, that is the reality of how people actually feel. Anybody who's like, well, no, I would never. Yes, you fucking would. I get that. That's why we have a constitution, guys, is because we all know how human nature is and it makes sense and it, it's totally normal. What I mean by where I get annoyed about free speech absolutism is when it gets so hyper gay uh, to the extent of... Um, especially when it comes to like the kind of libertarian principles where somebody like calls my daughter a whore in a grocery store and I punch them in the face and everyone's like, you violated that guy's free speech. He had my, a right to free speech. Yeah. My response to that is I don't give a shit. <laughs> like I don't care. Yeah. I'm going to knock your damn teeth out. I'm going to make it harder for you to freely speak. Um, that's where free speech. Uh, that's where I think free speech absolutism gets stupid. Now, do I ever want the liberals to be suppressed in their speech? No, because the more they talk, the dumber they sound, and I think the better we do. That's very true. I have never advocated for silencing idiot liberals because right. it has been a gold mine and probably the certainly <clears throat> sorry, certainly the only reason why conservatism still exists today. And I, I want you guys to understand that because this is going to be very important heading into like the primaries and everything. Conservatism has not stood on its own legs because of the advocacy of the Republican Party, because of the policy wins of the GOP, and certainly not because of the great arguments of 
conservative pundits, though there are some, and that has helped. The reality is, and if you're going to be honest with yourself, and this might be, you know, a little, little bit of a hard, uh, hard knock lessons for y'all. Everyone knows that part of the reason why conservatism has done so well and especially was ascendant in the 90s and kind of survived itself in the early 2000s and we still survived beyond the Barack Obama presidency is because liberals say stupid shit. Conservative media became famous, yes, because there were some great arguments. Of course, uh, people like Rush Limbaugh were able to make very good cases from a very human and very normal level and really connect with people. But the reality is, what does every conservative radio show do if they follow, say, the Rush Limbaugh format, who was the king of it? They play clips of Democrats talking. That's what they it's do. It's just like that libs of TikTok. Libs of, libs of TikTok is exactly the example of what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, they're a bunch of deranged, ugly freaks, and it's good that we know that. Yeah. And so I would never advocate for silencing the left because the left is what makes the right wing win because the right wing isn't doing it on its own. And by the way, that's not, that's not even necessarily a, a, a huge, uh, that's not even necessarily meant to be an insult. The reason why I'm saying it is it's actually really difficult to get a lot of big, big wins when you're right wing because the main principle of right wing politics is less government. <laughs> so it's hard to get big wins when you're literally saying, I kind of want to de-weaponize the government. And then everyone's like, well, but like, how does that make our lives better? And it's like, well, you know, that government thing that goes away. And everyone's like, well, what if I have a problem? And the response is, well, you can deal with it yourself like an independent human being. That immediately equates to not a lot of big wins that you can show on television. Because it's not a big government program that just did a thing. It's not going to be some new giant initiative with billions of dollars behind it. It's not going to be a giant, you know, uh, um, instituted change that results in X, Y, or Z because that's literally the opposite of like conservative and a lot of right-wing politics in the United States. It's not giant government programs. So you don't show a lot of wins. That's not me making an excuse for how shitty the GOP is, by the way. But Alan, I'm going to give you a second to comment on that because you may or may not agree or disagree. I definitely do agree. I think that it's <coughs> liberals are stoop crazy and deranged. I think it's more to me. It's they're operating from a place trying to force things against nature, and we are just saying, well, the nature though is human nature is the way it is. Like there's all these natural laws the world is governed by, and we should just align with that. And the and the left is entirely opposed to human nature. Like, we should re-engineer the world in our own image, and that's the only way we can have a future, whereas the right says we should just more align with how the world is mm -hmm. rather than trying to force it to change to how we wish it would be. That makes it so that basically the right wing is more aligned with what is actually true, and the left wing is focused more on making things that are false true, which is why in this sort of if we which is why there is this allure of if we just had a free market of ideas none of this would be a problem right if we actually had a free market of ideas 
none of this would be an issue because the right would just win because what we want to do, what we generally want is actually true men men and men can't become women women can't become men it's like that's a great example for this that's true and the left has to twist itself and contort itself to make it true mm-hmm. when the right can just no, but that is true, though. <laughs> yeah, Which that's dumb. We're not that doing that. <laughs> talk because they expose how untrue and how much of a lie everything they believe is. Right. And that's actually very good for us. I still don't want them to have guns, and I still don't <laughs> want them to have any ability to hold political power or force over me. Right. But them being able to talk is valuable. Yeah, no, the, the, the point was to show the difference between, you know, how, how the left and the right actually uh, operate with one another right now. Um, well, and that's that, also why the left wants to silence the right so much. Is oh because God, all yeah. we have to do is say, hey, things are, how about, what if we were all just normal and sane and yeah. believe things that are real? And that's honestly the biggest threat to the left because most people go, oh, I intuitively agree with what the right wing wants because it's actually real. <laughs> Because it's real. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. It's just hilarious that you... It, it, four years ago, if you said this, mm-hmm. um, it would seem like hyperbole. But now, right. it's like, well, no, but that's true, though. And so... Um, well, and a lot of people mm-hmm. twist themselves into knots trying to make things that aren't true, true. Oh, my goodness, uh, yeah. I mean, and the right, does, the right does this a lot because there's a lot of sacred cows in the right that we are... We do, where it's like, no, but I just want that to be the case. It's like, I mean, like you could say, the right wing wants small government, and that's very true, but it's like the libertarians, where they seem to be under this delusion of, I just want to advocate for, like, this, like there should be no government. You're like, yeah, but there has to be, there's going to be, and someone will always be trying to grab political power to use it against their enemies. Right. So we have to make sure that we're in charge of that political power because it will always exist. Like, no, but that means we might have to be mean. <laughs> and the reality is you do have to be mean. Yeah. You do have to recognize that there are enemies. You do have to take a stand against them because that's true, even if we don't want it to be true. Well, and the um, in addition to that, well, uh, since since we have a couple of minutes before the next uh, half hour mark on this, uh, I'll I'll get into why I've kind of done a little retrospective because it's it's super fascinating to me. There's there's been some changes uh, that have happened in right wing media recently that I I think um <clears throat> I think are owed um are owed a little bit of focus, and uh, that is that uh, there was a big announcement that was made earlier this week by Stephen Crowder. And, uh, you know, Steven Crowder came out and the long story short is that he has basically started the first network on Rumble. So it's entirely backed on Rumble and uh, he's hired several different, uh, you know, kind of uh, obvious people that have come on that are going to have their own shows. And obviously Steven Crowder is a comedian. And so he brought on uh, comedians like Nick DiPaolo, who's had a show for a while uh, under the Mug Club banner. And then um, he's he's brought in other folks to include he's going to be doing a, a there's going to be a weekly show on his network of Alex Jones. Um, which I think is hilarious. And then weirdly, um, well, I'll get to that in a second. But he has Alex Jones coming out. Uh, and you know, Alex Jones is obviously a very toxic personality for right-wing politics. 
you either love him or you hate him. I don't think that there's really an in-between. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And sure. I think that it's a... For as goofy as Steven Crowder can be as a person, I have to give credit where credit's due. And that is that this was a very notable thing to do and a notable risk to take. And a very, it was a very clear statement to where Steven Crowder stands when it comes to the right wing media sphere. And what I, what I mean by that is. I don't get I don't get into I don't give a shit about the like uh, uh, creator arguments, I guess would be the best way to put it. Um, There are other podcasts and YouTube channels and whatever that really like to fight amongst themselves. I see it sometimes on Twitter, like wars between groups that follow Nick Fuentes and then this other guy. And there's all this like dumb, I I guess, what what is it Uh, like gossipy drama or whatever that happens? I don't care about that. But there are certain aspects where I get uh, interested when I see what I consider to be a group that I think is dishonest, powerful and dishonest. And so the reason why I'm interested in this is it. I, I think that Steven Crowder is going to war with the Daily Wire, with Ben Shapiro's operation. And I okay. think rightfully so. And uh, because, you know, our audience will understand this and I'll let you guys know. I think that the Daily Wire operation got very upset for those who may or may not have been following the news. I know uh, from our Discord channel back in the day, um, people were following it closely when Crowder got the offer from Daily Wire and then went out and said there was a company that offered me all of this, but they said that if I got banned on YouTube or banned on Twitter, I would be punished financially and... I think that that's disgusting and insane, and I don't know how you can be a right-wing media outlet that relies on YouTube and and Twitter. That's insane to me. And then the Daily Wire came out and said, yeah, it was us, but Steven Crowder is actually a bad guy and a prima donna. Um, I think Mm. that that exposure was very, very... I, I think that that was a very big deal for Daily Wire. Because, to be fair, I think that they were exposed as hypocrites. Because I do think it was hypocritical. And I find that interesting and it's part of kind of the overall sort of one of the interesting messages. You can like Daily Wire hosts. I totally understand. I'm not telling people what they can and cannot listen to. I do think that as a business, you can't talk about tech censorship and then have it be part of your business model. I think that there's zero way. For sure. uh, There's zero way that that's not an inherent hypocrisy. And, and or or at, at a at a minimum a massive liability to you being able to be truthful to your audience and at the same time might i point out i've never seen ben shapiro get banned and that's suspicious. suspicious that's very suspicious because yeah. i've seen everyone else get punished why not him and it's because well, i think they have the a deal the huh? allegation is that he's controlled opposition and has an agreement with these companies to be like, let me just be the the face of right wing reactionary politics. I'll uh, I'll uh, I'll keep everybody corralled away from you know any kind of crazy ideas. Just you know we'll talk about just free market economics and money for Israel, and then um, then just don't ban me, and then we'll keep all the all these people from drifting to the scary alt right. 
Yeah. And I think a lot of people in the tech center went, yeah, we do need a guy to be controlled opposition to keep people from getting uh, radicalized by all these evil Nazis that we believe exist. And I can totally see that they potentially made a bunch of agreements with the Daily Wire or other hosts who are this sort of mid-level, milk-toast right wing in order to make sure that those channels stay active in order to keep them corral, keep people uh, corralled so they don't actually become a threat to the left. Right. And so, you know, that's always something that you have to be cognizant of. And when I was watching kind of this battle unfold, when, you know, Crowder exposed that the Daily Wire had requirements in their contracts that you would actually be held financially liable if you got banned on YouTube, I found that to be very, ins I thought it was crazy. I honestly, uh, I know Alan got really annoyed at me talking about it because he's like, dude, who, I don't care. I don't work for them, you know? <laughs> but at the end of the day, yeah. I was, I was like, I was, I was absolutely shocked. Um, and the reason why I've been thinking about it is for those who don't know back in 2015, when, uh, and part of the reason why like Alan became part of the show shortly after I started it was we used to talk on the phone a lot when I was contracting over in Afghanistan. And we would talk about politics because it was in the middle of the presidential primaries, very similar to where we are right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. he was like, hey, man, you should totally check out this podcast I found. And it was louder with Crowder. And I was a big Rush Limbaugh fan. And I was always trying to get Alan to listen to Rush Limbaugh. So I was like, oh, man, you know, we started talking about politics years ago. And you've always kind of wondered where I get my stuff. And I was like, I know it sounds crazy. I know it sounds like what old people do. But you got to listen to Rush Limbaugh. He's really good. He's super insightful. And you turned me on to podcasts. I didn't give a shit about podcasts back in the day. And I listened sure. to this guy. And I was like, what the hell is this? This is crazy town because it was funny it was really energetic and i didn't even really know what podcasts were and i was like shit man i want to do this you know and that's why i jumped in and so it sounds crazy and i don't want people to like i wasn't i, I wasn't like a daily listener i wasn't an obsessive listener but i have to admit the reason why i started recording my own voice and putting it on the internet was because i thought steven crowder was cool and unique and a new generation of radio hosting. And I had wanted something like that because I knew that, you know, Rush Limbaugh was what my dad listened to, but there was nobody that I listened to, you know what I mean? And so it was really exciting. So there is a, regardless of how much of a doofus and dumbass as he can be, and sometimes super annoying, there's a special place in my heart for people like Steven Crowder. Because okay. I would be lying if I didn't say that hearing like that theme song and stuff, I was like, man, I want to do this. This looks awesome. So point yeah. is, <coughs> I wanted to dive into that. But I also want to potentially point out a conspiracy theory that I have that is going to be absolutely insane. And so sorry for okay. all of this background. But Alex Jones just joined Crowder's like mug club thing. And we'll be doing a Friday show. He's not getting rid of InfoWars. But as soon as that happened, I then started seeing videos where Alex Jones is being like very complimentary towards like a, uh, I guess it's a right wing transgender. Is it the gun girl? Is that what that is? The, the like, oh, it's, I don't um, know who the fuck this, it is. It's this person named Blair White, who's a post-op, who's a post-op transgender, born as a male, transformed by demonic science into a simulacrum of a female. Right. She's been right wing and she's basically pretty libertarian. She, God, he's right wing and 
very libertarian and so has gotten a lot of play on a lot of right-wing conservative podcasts and things because here's this tranny that's saying all the things that we like to hear and right. talking about free speech. Totally understandable, totally fine. I don't really even have a grudge against this person other than the fact that they're mocking God by tr becoming this sort of transgender monstrosity, um, which is all far more inflammatory than I mean it. I don't actually harbor any real serious discontent. But... The clip was Alex Jones on this, on the show with Crowder. This transgender person was there who has had some very impressive uh, plastic surgery and does look very much like an attractive woman now. Yeah. And he was being very complimentary to her looks, and it comes across as just very weird. So, um, right. Her. No, it's, it's a him. It's, it's a see, guy. This is what makes me so frustrated is... If you look at this person, you would be like, yes. that's a woman. And then you realize that's actually a tranny. That's yeah. a man who's undergone huge <laughs> amounts of plastic surgery to uh -huh. look like a woman. And your brain just goes, well, that's clearly a woman. Right. And so I can understand, I guess it's, I can understand that come to that conclusion, but that's what I find so insidious about the whole trans thing is <laughs> it is, it's a lie. It's oh, yeah. lying to you and it's not lying to your brain. Oh yeah. No, no, it's, it's terrifying. It is fucking terrifying. Yeah. And I like I haven't really listened to the clip, but I like I saw the captions and everything, so I haven't been able to like really listen to it. And I don't I don't per personally care. I don't feel obligated to defend Alex Jones one way or the other. I do find it very suspicious that this is the a point of attack um that is now occurring, but at the same time, Alex Jones is kind of crazy. I don't know how he like I mean, it's whatever. I I could see this as him just being like absolutely fascinated. Like you just were absolutely fascinated mm -hmm. with the idea of like, but like you do look like a woman. It's insane. Yeah. Like to be fair, that is bananas. Like the idea that we can do that on a scientific level is incredible. It's horrifying. I think it's wrong. Yeah. And I think that it is going to hurt people I think the people that have these things done will ultimately end up with an obscene amount of crazy, like cancers. And uh, um, um, I wish I could remember the name of the guy that makes like all the blob monsters. Cronenberg. Um, yeah, they're going to end up as some sort Dr. of Cronenberg-esque like issue. Yeah. Um, it's like the movie The Fly. Right. So the. That's anyway, so people mostly you, yeah. you saw people making fun of Alex Jones for this, and you thought it was inappropriate. The well, no, sorry. I uh, there's a really weird comment that somebody in quotes put: "Hillary Clinton will be arrested between 7:45 and 8:30 a.m. on Monday, the morning of October 30th, 2017." I have no idea what the hell that's a reference to. Oh, um, um, yeah, that didn't happen. Yeah, that obviously quite a uh, fact check uh, false. Um, <laughs> yeah. so I have no idea why that was posted anyway. Um, no, it's just, it, it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's obviously a very weird thing. Totally fine. It's not a big deal, but at the same time, I think that the daily wire people, uh, really don't like that Crowder's doing a thing. And so I think we're going to see a lot of attacks because, um, I very staunchly stand behind 
that the people who saw the audio and stuff that got leaked out as part of uh, Steven Crowder's divorce, I believe that it was leaked mm-hmm. out by Ben Shapiro's operation. Now, I don't oh, care okay. about the palace intrigue and gossiping and whatever between channels. I think that that's gross and I think it's disgusting because this never needed to happen. Uh, for example, I never, I do not feel like I am in competition with any other broadcaster at all. I think we all can play in the yep. same thing. I would love to have as big an audience as possible. I would love to do this as my job. That would be fantastic. That does not make me an enemy of any other person who sits in front of a microphone. I want them to be successful. I think this platform is fantastic. I think this medium is great and necessary. And I would never discourage another human being from doing it. I think that the Daily Wire does not see this as activism. I think they see this as a business. And I think that they see Steven Crowder as competition in a business. And that disgusts me on a level that is very difficult for me to explain without yelling (laughs) are you saying don't watch the daily wire because ben shapiro is probably controlled opposition or at the very best he at at worst he's controlled opposition and at best he's basically a kind of money grubbing weasel i'm not saying i'm not telling anybody what to watch or not watch but what I am saying okay. is be very careful. I'm care- telling people don't watch the Daily Wire. Because <laughs> at best, Ben Shapiro is a money-grubbing weasel. And at worst, he's controlled opposition. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yes, that's fine. Um, but I also think that um, I think that there are... I think that a lot of... We have to be very careful with when we start seeing attacks happening against people that are on our side that might make it really seem um, scary. Like, you know, my, 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 if someone's trying to convince you that you have been misled by certain people, take a pause because there's a lot of gatekeeping going on, on in the conservative movement right now. And so you have to be very careful. You have to be very right. careful because you might be being misled by people who um, aren't identifying themselves directly. Like, it's not going to be Ben Shapiro telling you that, you know, Stephen Crowder is a bad guy. But Ben Shapiro might be having people go out and tell people that you know might have an operation that goes out and leaks you know certain audio clips and certain you Mm -hmm. know private information to hurt somebody who's competing against him and might you know over overtake his business take away from his money you always have to be worried about that and so just just be cognizant um that's just that is my conspiracy theory speaking of conspiracy theories And I want to get into this because this is the really fun one. And I'd rather take time talking about this than talk about what everybody has talked about, which is, yes, the DOJ. Um, I will touch on it real quick. And that is that the the Department of Justice appointed David Weissman as the special counsel in an amazing uh, aspect of, you know, the guy who was investigating Hunter Biden and completely botched the investigation and gave him a sweetheart plea deal. Well, it's okay. He's a special counsel now because the Republicans wanted a special counsel and the DOJ went, here's your special counsel. Same fucking guy. (laughs) So isn't that, isn't that fascinating? It's like, here's your special counsel. Like we need a special counsel to investigate Hunter Biden. Okay. Here it is. And it's the guy who basically let him off the hook and botched and intentionally threw the investigation. And I think that's hilarious. I mean, it's it's a perfect example of 2023 America where we can never actually address any of the real problems because the political corruption is just so intense that it essentially violates every attempt to hold anybody actually accountable. Yeah. Especially any, yeah. especially if they're a Democrat. And so it, 
to me, this is a great, if I wanted to explain to somebody where, sort of, quote, where we're at as a country, <laughs> I would point it right this. It's like, we have absolute clear evidence that the president, his family, and the Democrat Party going in the, pretty much the entire Obama administration were the recipients and engaged in extensive corruption to enrich themselves in selling out the United States, even to our foreign adversaries. And the, we can't actually get that dealt with or investigated because the systems of government are so thoroughly corrupted by those same people that the mechanisms we normally would rely on have been intentionally subverted so that they no longer are able to provide the to, pro to provide the justice that is necessary. Yeah, no, and it, and it is it is it's it it is what it is. Whether or not the GOP has it in them to obviously point out how ridiculous this is, and even how, if they do, what would be the what would they do about it? Yeah, like they it, they would have to basically through a I guess I assume. I don't even know if Congress can override these sort of things without it being essentially like an impeachment proceeding. I mean, that's certainly an option. Impeachment is certainly an option. Um, it certainly is. Because, but, but yeah, uh, like this is going to have to go to a The system was never designed, to, essentially the system was subverted because it was never designed to have to deal with this problem. Yeah, they kind of, back in the day when people were setting mm -hmm. the rules, they kind of assumed that we wouldn't be pussies and would punch somebody in the face for being this craven. Right, exactly. You'd be like, no, surely if someone tries that, then... And I think the the reliance, maybe even of the founders, it's hard to know for sure, but they might have just realized, like, oh, if anyone tried to do corruption that extensive... Like they wouldn't be able to get away with it because you know most people wouldn't stand up for it. It would be someone essentially selling out their own country's future, and most people they would you, you couldn't have a conspiracy that big because everyone they would rely on would go, well, you can't. I'm not going to let you sell out my country for a quick buck. Unfortunately, yeah, that because you used to be able changed. to punch people in the face. I know that yeah, this sounds well, ridiculous, like FBI but FBI agents, why would the DOJ go along with that level of corruption at this extensive level? Right. Most of these people in the DOJ that are going along with it aren't benefiting, aren't getting paid millions of dollars like the Biden family. They're right. doing it out of loyalty to the party and neoliberalism, not out of any sort of monetary reward, which is a very different, which is a very different thing. They're doing, out of, doing it out of ideological purity rather than reward. And that's a very different scenario. Right. Now... What I do want to talk about is my um, conspiracy theory. And this okay. is the hottest of takes and the craziest of conspiracies. But, okay. bear, but bear with me, folks, because um, I may have to mea culpa this at some point and point out how I was so poorly and sorely wrong. But buckle up. Because I think that Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis are working together. Okay. I don't Explain. think that they are actually in competition whatsoever. Um, I think it's all a shell game. Now, interesting. Where this starts, this starts at the fact that first of all, both gentlemen live in Florida. That's not inherently something crazy, but it seems a, a little, lot of gentlemen live in Florida. It seems a little nuts that the former president of the United States lives in Florida, moved there during his presidency, mind you, 
and set up shop in Mar-a-Lago. And of course, Ron DeSantis also lives in Florida. And that the idea that those gentlemen have not had any sort of extensive talks when they live in the same state as one another, and they were in reality, the two most popular and the two most influential politicians in the entire Republican party living in the same state and the idea that they didn't have some sort of regular and close communication, I think is an insane and stupid assertion. I just don't yeah. know why you wouldn't do it. If you were Ron DeSantis, why would you not go and have a regular like relationship with the former president of the United States? And if you were Donald mm-hmm. Trump, why would you not have regular conversations with the governor of the state in which you live. It makes zero sense that they wouldn't talk to one another. Why would you not do that? So it just seems stupid to suggest otherwise. Unless I'm out of my mind, it just seems stupid to suggest otherwise. So I think these guys talk a lot, or at least on a regular basis. And Donald Trump talks to a lot of people all the time. He has regular communications with people. Now, yeah. So we have to assume that it makes perfect sense that these guys have been discussing since 2020, talking to one another and have at least some sort of working relationship on different things. Then Donald Trump, everyone knew, was going to run for president, which is another reason why these two would have been talking at some point. You know, Donald Trump's going to run for president. It's going to be a whole thing. Why wouldn't there be some discussions, especially when you have someone like Ron DeSantis, who's been extremely successful and is a rising star in the GOP? It makes no sense to me to suggest that the Trump campaign did not have some sort of conversation with Ron DeSantis when Donald Trump was getting ready to formally announce. Because if you didn't know that Ron DeSantis was potentially going to run as the president of the, uh, for the presidency, you're an idiot. Whoever, whoever is advising you, if they didn't say, I think that Ron DeSantis might run for the presidency, then fire him. You should have fired that guy the minute that Ron DeSantis seemed like he was running for the presidency because that's such a big miss. Your consultants are blind. So there's no fucking way that they did not talk. There's zero way that Donald Trump didn't have a sense that Ron DeSantis was going to run. Okay. So under that guise... I want you to look at how the two campaigns have reacted towards one another. Does it make any sense how they're acting? What's a, what's an example? Like the idea of Donald Trump talking about how when Donald Trump, when the Trump campaign, I'll say it that way because I don't want to say specifically Donald Trump, but sure, the Trump campaign, Donald Trump, the way that they act like how disloyal Ron DeSantis is for running for the presidency. Sounds like they were shocked and surprised that it happened. Do you believe for a second that they're actually shocked or surprised that it happened? Because we all fucking knew it was going to happen. How the hell did they not? How did the million dollar consultants not know, but we did? Sure. So that has to be bullshit. It doesn't make any sense. Now, maybe it's maybe it's just maybe it sounds good or whatever. Maybe it's a useful uh, tactic or or what have you. But it seems like they're shocked and appalled by it. But then at the same time, yes. it also seems wild that like 
for example, DeSantis awkwardly doesn't seem to be taking the proper political approaches to things that almost make it seem like he's kind of dumb in the idea of like, dude, just be more like Trump. Be less like Chris Christie. Be more like Trump. This is obvious for you. You've been doing this for a while. Why wouldn't you do it now? Because there's a lot of people that talk about how like the DeSantis campaign seems really like almost stupid. And that, almost, that also okay. just doesn't make any sense. There's just so much that doesn't make sense. Why are these two fighting so much? Why do they seem so angry at one another when, when I'm not seeing the same attacks happen to other people and to other campaigns, even when percentages are the same? For example, Vivek. Vivek Ramaswamy is not being attacked anywhere near the amount that Ron DeSantis was, but Vivek Ramaswamy is uh, supposedly surging past DeSantis. So he's more com a competition well, to Trump, therefore also more disloyal to Trump, because anybody who's running against Trump's disloyal, why is he not being attacked as much as Ron DeSantis? Make it make sense. Okay, so what's your theory? My theory is that they are actually working together. They know... They have a plan. I, this is going to sound like 40 chess. I'm telling you it's insane. It's a little bit fun. It's a little bit not fleshed out. I think that the two campaigns are actually in coordination with one another. I think that the purpose of the two campaigns being in coordination with one another is for good money collection and as an insurance policy. I think that yeah. the guarantee was made. Donald Trump is going to be running for the president, and I think everyone knew for a fact that Donald Trump was going to win. As long as Donald Trump was able to still be on the ticket, Donald Trump was yep. going to win the nomination. There's no doubt. But you need to have a second string. You have a second string quarterback because what happens when your quarterback gets injured? What happens if he gets hurt on the field? You have to have a good second string. And you have to take time and have that second string work with your receivers. That second string quarterback is Ron DeSantis. You need to keep him viable, in the news, going, running, campaigning. Because what happens if the left wins? What happens if the left gets Donald Trump locked up in jail? What happens if the left weaponizes a uh, rarely known or unknown uh, law that makes it to where Donald Trump can be removed from the ballot? For example, Mark Elias, the famous DNC lawyer, is currently in nine states attempting to get Donald Trump removed from the, ba from the ballot. Legally. Trying to get him legally yeah. removed from the ballot. So, gotcha. what do you do? Your only option. Okay. So, you, so you're saying that DeSantis is being held as the backup for Trump in case the left is, in case the Democrats are successful at disqualifying Trump from running, DeSantis is sort of the ready-to-go second pick. Yes. Okay. And the guarantee. What, mm -hmm. How do we know that? is happening and not just happening by circumstance. Like if they were both running independently, that would still basically be the case. It's like for the average American voter, if they're both running against each other, well, it's going to be Trump or it's going to be DeSantis. If the le if Democrats knock out Trump, well, then we'll all vote DeSantis. Right. How do you, do we have any, what, what leads you to believe that they're doing this in concert, not just by happenstance? Happenstance. <laughs> 
because there needed there needed to be guarantees made because it can't just be in concert of the oh it's okay because if Trump goes away we still have DeSantis and that's great but what's that mean for Trump mm-hmm. because okay. you know like people could have the same opinion for say Vivek Ramaswamy uh, I don't know like as as a as a pick what happens to Trump though okay that guy gets elected is he going to pardon Trump because if you're Donald Trump, let's be honest, and someone else gets elected that's not you, someone that's a Republican gets elected that's not you, that's yeah. not a guarantee that you're going to not go to jail. Because it's the GOP. If Chris Christie yeah. became president of the United States somehow, Donald Trump would stay in jail. Because yeah, Chris Christie would sure. be one of those you know shitty never-Trumpers. And so it's not it's not just the idea of oh it could just be a Republican and we're going to get what we want because we you know similar ideals and values it has to be someone who's of the same mind as Trump and there's not really other candidates like that Ron DeSantis does actually and maybe I'm crazy but Ron DeSantis does actually seem like he understands how messed up this government is how weaponized it is and is willing from what we've seen to do things that most conservatives would scream about sure um yeah like most most conservatives would scream about using government to push like uh, sorry using like sure yeah, like because like Disney, there were tons of conservatives that were like, "What Ron DeSantis is doing is wrong and unconstitutional and anti-free market and wah, that kind of stuff." Well, that's the kind of thing that I mean. To be fair, voters want they want change, and they know you're gonna have to use like if the government's bloated and gross and weaponized. Well, it's gonna have to be bloated, gross, and weaponized to de-weaponize itself. You know what I mean? It's gonna take oh, yeah. big government movement to clean up the big government. Um, and he seems to understand that. And so you need someone who is of that same mind. It can't just because those things aren't inherent in conservative principles and aren't inherent in GOP politics. Mike Pence is not going to drain the fucking swamp. Of course. You know, Mike, Mike Pence is probably just going to continue to let the swamp exist and enrich itself. So right. I just, it's one of those things that the two guys were of the same mind. They were both extremely popular. They were both well-loved by the same people. And then all of the sudden there's all this almost visceral hatred. It just doesn't make sense to me. It pings me as weird. And so I'm looking at it and going, something else is going on because none of this actually makes any sense. And there were far better and far more obvious tactics that could have been taken throughout these primaries so far, and they don't equate to the way that these two are attacking one another. So either the GOP literally has just the worst uh, political instincts on the planet, which is a possibility, or there's something else happening and we're being misled. And like I said, I know it sounds crazy. This isn't fleshed out. It's a weird feeling that I get that there is some sort of agreement that exists between the two campaigns. And I think that Donald Trump is attacking the shit out of Ron DeSantis to completely disarm the media. Nothing the media says is... Basically, the media won't want to cover Mm -hmm. Trump 
t attacking DeSantis because then they'd have to side with one or the other. Right. Like what? And they what, don't want to make the case <clears throat> for a Republican president. Yeah. Like what happens? What happens if uh, if Ron DeSantis becomes the nominee for whatever reason? Ron DeSantis becomes the nominee and then the media starts attacking him. People are going to be able to share social media posts of Donald Trump saying the same thing. And then it becomes the hilarious meme of the media finally agrees with Donald Trump. You sound like Donald Trump. You're saying the same things that Donald Trump is saying. So either that makes Donald Trump good or it makes the media dishonest, neither of which are good things. Right. And also <laughs> it makes it not new. I've heard this before. Oh, I've heard sure. you complain about it. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. So like I said, I know it's that insane sure. and it's, it's hard for me to flesh out in the short period of time of which we're actually over. Um, but it's just one of those things. So uh, very interesting. Yeah, I know it's a little crazy, but I, I think that there, I think there's coordination between the two campaigns because the only other option I have is they both have retarded instincts and they're doing a terrible job right now. Well, that uh, certainly that certainly is the other option, isn't it? Yeah, so this could just be a cope for the fact that I think the two campaigns are just doing terrible right now and really need to fix their fix their shit because they're making me angry and they they're acting like Twitter's real life and it's not and so I want them to like not do that. But We'll have to figure that's it out. very understandable. Yeah, but that's going to have to be it for us for this week. Of course, we'll be back next... Well, uh, we should be back next Sunday, but I'm going to have to double-check a thing because I've got something going on, but it should be fine. Um, you can always check us out as a podcast anytime you want or go to subscribestar.com forward slash wrongthinkradio and become a subscriber. I'm Aaron from the East Coast. I'm Alan from the West Coast. And this is Wrong Think Radio.